This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. Hi there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 77 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I am going to talk about why we should not try to avoid problems in our work, and instead we should focus more on preparing for them. This is a follow-up to the episode where I talked about shit sandwiches and why we should embrace the fact that no situation is going to be without them, and why this can be actually kind of cathartic and therapeutic and help us to give clarity. That was episode 72, if you have not listened to it yet. And I wanted to go deeper into this topic because I think it can be easy to misinterpret it as being really negative when actually it's really not. It's really the key to helping you be more prepared and empowered in the situation that you're in. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is supported by research, especially if you look within the, the scope of things like cognitive behavioral therapy and just really helping you shift your thinking. And, and also just obviously, if you are going to engage in any situation, it's always helpful to anticipate what's happening in advance so that you can have a plan going forward. One of the biggest takeaways from this whole concept of just expecting problems and knowing that they're normal really comes from our perception of how we are evaluating our current situation and whether or not we are in the correct situation. 
So this could be true for relationships. This could be true for, you know, let's say that you signed up for some activity and some some new skill that you're learning. And obviously within this context, I'm talking about how it applies to your career. And if you're trying to think about, you know, can I feel more empowered in my current job, in my current role? Is there a better way that I can do my job? Or if you're considering whether or not you want to make some kind of a career transition or pivot. So if you're you're contemplating those things, this can be really helpful. And regardless, even if you do decide to stay in your current situation, it can be really helpful in reframing some of the things that you have to do on a day-to-day basis. Before we get going, I wanted to invite you to a special event that I am hosting inside the Clinical Leadership Mastermind Facebook group. This special event is an ongoing live event called the Clinical Leadership Roundtable. If you are a pediatric therapist of any sort, whether you're a speech pathologist, a social worker, a music therapist, occupational therapist, Anyone who is a professional working with kids knows that what you do when you're actually working with students directly is just one part of your job. There are lots of other things that we need to think about in order to make sure that kids get support across settings. But that can be challenging when we are working in a system that places a lot of constraints on us. And it can be really easy to feel disempowered and out of control when it comes to how you serve your caseload. Even if you are in a situation where maybe you are offering therapy privately, you have to still consider a lot of these systemic constraints. And so that's why I've created Created the Clinical Leadership Roundtable. In this live event that is ongoing in the Clinical Leadership Mastermind Facebook group, I will guide you through a three-stage process where I'll help you to identify some of the key barriers that are impacting your ability to provide effective services, as well as your sense of fulfillment with your work. And then I'll walk you through some steps that will help you to create an action plan for working towards your dream scenario, whether that is in the role that you're currently in or whether it's a pivot and something that you want to work towards in the future. This three-stage process will help you to think of ways that you can create assets and leverage so that you can become more productive, more skilled as a clinician, and develop key relationships and resources that help you to have more influence on the way services are provided in your facility and your community. This is an ongoing event, so you can join and you can go through the process at your own pace, and you'll also be able to pop into the Clinical Leadership Mastermind Facebook group and leave a comment or get some feedback for me on the action steps that you've come up with in your plan for getting to that dream career scenario. So to sign up for the Clinical Leadership Roundtable, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. Again, that's drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. So now let's get to the episode. One video that has been really helpful for me is Tim Ferriss's TED Talk, 
And the title of it is Why You Should Define Your Fears Instead of Defining Your Goals. And this can be really helpful if you have certain situations that are causing anxiety. So whether you've already kind of signed up for something and it's just a, a scenario that you're going to have to deal with on a regular basis, you know, maybe difficult meetings, presentations, things that you might feel uncomfortable with, things that maybe you've already signed up for, or maybe things that you're considering doing to, um, you know, build relationships and expand the impact that you have, whatever it is, there are definitely going to be things that might make you nervous and uncomfortable. And the thing is, is that obviously, if something is unfamiliar to you, that is a normal feeling. And the the thing that can be kind of challenging is that, um, number one, when we're thinking about education and healthcare and just the professional development and resources available, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of information about specific therapeutic techniques, but there isn't as much about leadership and just, you know, your your own mental health and working on your your mindset and your thinking towards towards your job. And so a lot of people, at least in my experience, a lot of people who have tried to kind of venture off the beaten path of just you know typical education for for people in education and healthcare, when you go over to the self-help type of of resources and the life coaching and things like that, there's a lot of talk about, you know, find your inner alignment and find the thing that doesn't feel like work. And, you know, if you're feeling resistance and if it's not aligned, there's there's all this talk about intuition. And the thing that can be challenging there is that what I've seen happen is that sometimes when people feel uncomfortable and nervous about certain things, they think, oh, um, you know, I'm just not that type of person who can do that thing. And if I'm feeling resistance and I'm not enjoying it right away, then it, it, I must I must not be called to do this thing. And the the challenge with that and the challenge with just always expecting to feel inspired and aligned is that you're not going to always feel inspired and aligned to do everything. And that's why the conversation about shit sandwiches was really important because there are many times that you're going to do something that maybe is in line with what you want long term, but you might not feel like doing it in the moment. And so it can be very difficult to really get caught up in uh, thinking that something that feels uncomfortable is not aligned for you if you get too caught up in kind of the woo-woo self-help type of things. The other thing is that sometimes there is this idea that thinking about things that are negative are always bad and that you're going to, you know, again, people who are into the law of attraction, which I I am not, um, I do believe that you need to consciously decide what you want to do and and what feels right for you. But I don't think that it's the universe that's sending you these things. I think it is 
really, it really comes down to your habits and your behaviors and your perception of things. I think what really happens is that when you start to change the way that you think about things, you can make better decisions. It helps you perform better and it helps you to evaluate situations so you're more open to opportunities. And so I don't think that it's just, you know, sending vibes out into the universe. I think it is conscious action and I think it is more about capitalizing on opportunities and having a different attitude and mindset about things. But the thing about that is that people who are into the law of attraction say things like, you can't focus on the negative because you're going to attract more of it. And yes, you shouldn't always be doom and gloom. But really the the concept behind what, what Tim Ferriss was talking about in his TED Talk is that sometimes when we think about those things that one might think of as a shit sandwich or a problem, when we think about what we're actually afraid of or what we're actually resisting, when we actually look at what it is, a lot of times we might be distorting and inflating things. And really something that might seem like this huge pain in the ass might actually be just a minor inconvenience. And when we actually define what's bothering us or what we're fearful of, we might actually realize, you know what, like instead of instead of saying, what if this happens? We can say, okay, what if that actually happened? If that actually happened, could I deal with it? And how would I deal with it? A lot of times that can be very cathartic because we realize that whatever it is that we're worrying about, if it happened, we're pretty well equipped to deal with it. And if you have a couple options for dealing with it, then that's even better because what that does is, again, it helps you to kind of put it aside once you actually have it on the table. It doesn't really help to, you know, if you have something that's kind of bothering you and you're ruminating on it, sometimes actually defining what it is so that you can move forward can be really helpful. And so that's why sometimes just embracing the idea that there are problems can be helpful because we can define them and we can figure out how to prepare for them. One of my shit sandwiches when I was in the school systems was Medicare billing. It's something that a lot of a lot of therapists have to do if they're in the schools. Um, I know that uh, the SLPs in my district had to do it, and I know that the the social worker and psychologist often did it as well. And so it was something that you know it required some documentation and it was time consuming. But I actually developed a pretty efficient process where at the end of the day, I would just take five to 10 minutes and just do all my documentation. And some of my other colleagues would would wait until the end of the semester. And it actually took them longer because they couldn't remember what they did in their sessions a long time ago. And so it was this huge thing that was kind of just you know, (laughs) this thing hanging over them that they didn't have done yet. Whereas for me, I found that it worked way better and it was less intrusive to my time if I just did it every day, because then at the end of the year, it was all done. Now, for some people, it might make more sense to batch. They might prefer that. It might feel less problematic and less annoying for them to do it all at once. I certainly have certain things where it doesn't make sense for me to do a little bit at a time. It makes me to do it all at once. But for this particular thing, I found that just my workflow and the way that I thought about it and the way I felt about it was just, it was easy to just kind of tack it on to my end of the day procedures. And then it was all done by the end of the year. So that's how I took it to from being kind of a huge 
pain to just some minor little inconvenience that I had to deal with. And so it really shifted my thinking as far as just how I felt about my paperwork, and it made things a lot easier for me. So one of the reasons why the whole shit sandwich thing is kind of a paradox is that, yes, it seems like you're being kind of pessimistic by expecting problems, but really what you're doing is you're trying to sift out those little things that might be minor inconveniences that you can just find ways to deal with very quickly so that they're not intrusive to your day. And it's paradoxical in that sometimes just addressing these things head on is what helps you move forward and focus on the things that you can actually enjoy. So really the first part is that many times it can be kind of a relief to think about these things that might come up because when you actually sit down and you realize that you actually have some pretty good strategies and you're actually pretty prepared, it can allow you to come to a place of peace with things because you can kind of talk yourself through and just realize that you're prepared for whatever it is that you might be worried about. The next reason why it is somewhat cathartic and helpful to think about problems as um, as things that you should expect is that when we prepare for them and when we expect them, it helps us to evaluate situations more clearly and more accurately. And in this way, when we see these little bumps in the road, we don't think of them as a crisis. We don't think of them as an indication that something is wrong with what we're doing. And we don't allow it to throw us off track when maybe we might need to just work through this. So this is really key. For example, if you are a therapist or a teacher and you are working with a client and you are preparing the client for what to expect or you're preparing their their caregiver, their parent, or you know whoever it is that is the family member, the stakeholder, we want to set appropriate expectations because what sometimes happens is that when we're doing something challenging, which if you are in education or healthcare and you're helping people work through these 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 issues or these these challenges and these skills that have a big learning curve, a lot of times there is a point where it's uncomfortable. There might be some initial excitement, but then you get into this kind of uh, this dip where it's challenging and it can be easy to get frustrated and think that you're not on the right track when really what you need to do is keep going. And so it's really important to understand what challenges and what things might come up further down the road so that we can prepare ourselves and our clients to know what to expect so that when we're on the right track and we come up against these bumps in the road, we don't think, "Uh uh-oh, we need to just throw out the plan and just completely abandon it. Really what we need to do is stick it out. And actually, something that I read in one of Seth Godin's books called The Dip was really helpful in explaining this. And he talks about it more within the context of business and entrepreneurship. But there are so many different ways that you can apply this concept. So I'm going to talk about a couple examples of how it's applied to my life. But then I'll wrap up with some other things that 
could be more applicable to a learning or therapy situation. So essentially what he refers to as the dip is, again, you have that initial excitement when you start a project and then you get into this, this part where it starts to get difficult and it feels like you're stuck. It feels like you're not making progress. And what can be very challenging is figuring out, do I stick with it and say the course does this roadblock or this challenge, you know, is it something that I expected? Is it something that I need to work through? Or does it mean that I am on the wrong track and I need to change course? So many times what people do is that when they see some kind of a a bump in the road, they ditch their plan when really they needed to just stick it out and work through this dip. Because what happens, again, if you physically think about a dip, it's, you know, you're going along, you dip down, it gets hard, but then you come back up and then you start to improve. And many times when we're working with a client, we see this dip. Many times when you might have this dip when you're working on some kind of a project and you're learning a new skill. And so it can be difficult to have this resilience to work through this. A lot of kids who you might be working with might have a hard time working through this challenge and this learning curve and this period of discomfort where you're actually building a ton of skills and a lot of learning is taking place. So we need to make sure that we're aware of this so that we can prepare our clients that that we're mentoring or that we're working with and so that we can do the same thing for ourselves. Some places where it's come up in my life, I love to think about the dip as far as just uh, just running because I'm a runner. So for a, a period of my life, I was really focused on running 5Ks. So again, 5Ks, it's you know 3.1 miles. So in my mind, I usually, when I'm just thinking about how I'm pacing and kind of chunking the race, I think about it in terms of miles. So there's the first mile, the second mile, the third mile. And what I would often do is that I would often have a pretty fast first mile and then I would slow down in my second mile and then I would speed up in the third mile. And what was going on in my head is that, you know, you're at the beginning of the race and you're going and like everybody is sprinting and and everybody's going. And so you get through that first mile and then at the end of that first mile, you are starting to get tired and you know that you still have more than half of the race to go because you have two miles to go. And so your brain kind of messes with you and you start to feel this almost fight or flight response. And this has been something that a lot of runners talk about where your body feels like it doesn't have enough energy to keep going and you feel like you need to rest when really it actually doesn't. You actually have more in the tank than you realize. And so you you slow down and then at the end of the race, you realize that you had more and you can kind of you know, pick up the pace again. And it's like, where was that in the second mile? Well, again, you kind of talked yourself out of pushing yourself because you had this sort of premature feeling that you couldn't keep going. And so that happens a lot where you think, I can't keep up this pace. I can't keep going because the the amount of time left in the project that you're doing just feels like, you know, it, it feels so hard and uncomfortable. And running is a very good example of that because it's it's physical discomfort. And this actually happens a lot with endurance athletes where they hit this point in the race. And typically where it happens for a lot of people, this is this is where it happens for me, is 
right before the halfway point because you are you've been going long enough that you are starting to get tired but you know that you have more than half of the race to go and it just really messes with your head but most often and this happens in workouts too most often there's this idea like I can't do this I can't keep going but really you can and that is the dip so that second mile of the 5k is often the dip for me. And I use a 5K as an example because there's kind of the, the the three miles that you have. So it's literally the second mile is often the dip. So the way that I would actually prepare for that dip is that I would do specific workouts that would require me to have a lot of resistance. So I would do hill repeats where you just run up and down hills repeatedly. It's pretty self-explanatory. Or I would do specific intervals. That would be the the distance. Um, like when you add up all the intervals, it would be around the distance of a 5K. And so the workout would often be longer than the race. And so you do all of these things to prepare for that feeling and to challenge yourself ahead of time so that when you actually get to the event, you're mentally prepared. And so... You know, again, knowing that that is going to happen, knowing that you're going to have this this mental game that you're playing with yourself, you prepare yourself physically and mentally for what lies ahead. So that is one example where I've experienced that dip and where you want to anticipate all of those things that are going to happen. The other thing and the other place where I've seen it in my life is whenever I am working on writing. So I make a lot of content for this podcast, for for my blog, and I've also done a fair amount of academic writing. And anybody who has worked on any type of writing or creative project knows that feeling of just sitting down and feeling like, like how am I going to get this product done? How am I going to get these words on the paper? And there's just, it doesn't matter how many times you've you've sat down to write before in your life, there's that feeling, that resistance every time. And again, that's that's the dip. But most people know that they need to, you know, and again, if, if you have done a lot of written work and other creative work, you know that you need to just, when that feeling comes, that you need to work through it. You expect it. You have strategies to deal with it. Um, you know, I have a ton of different strategies where I know that if I'm feeling stuck with writing, there's a number of things I can do. Like, you know, for example, I I always do my outlining in writing. I use note cards and post-it notes to kind of get my thoughts together before I actually sit down and start doing things electronically. So I have a whole process and sometimes I might even do things verbally. So I have a couple different options because I know that that feeling of resistance is going to happen. I don't delude myself into thinking, oh, today it's going to be easy and just expect that. I tell myself, this is going to feel hard for a while and this is how I'm going to work through it. And so I think that when we are preparing for other situations in our job, we can use that same thought process to prepare for it. And it's not that we're being negative. It's, it's again, that preparing for these things actually helps us feel more prepared and optimistic. I'll give you one more specific example as it applies to being a, a school service personnel, a school therapist. So I spent the... When I first started working in the schools back in 2004, 
I started out at the elementary level, and so I got used to that culture there, but then eventually, you know, things shifted at the building that I was working at, and within the district, we we had to kind of restructure the way that we were providing services, so eventually I was working with high school students, and so the SLP, who had been covering high school before me, basically gave me the rundown and all of the challenges that she faced when she was working at the high school because culturally it was very different. There were things that I did at the elementary level that I didn't do at the high school level. And actually, I did have a couple experiences where I emailed teachers and I got kind of a a response that I didn't expect because I wasn't, they weren't quite prepared. They didn't know me. And, you know, again, there were things that were done differently at the high school where the 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 person who was covering it before me had to say, you know what, these are the challenges that I had and this is how I worked through them. And it wasn't that she was saying the high school sucks, everybody there is a jerk. She was just saying, you know, this is the culture and this is the these are the expectations. If you do this, it might not come across very well. So here's how I recommend working with, you know, this group of teachers. Here's how they work and here's how they're going to be most receptive to whatever you're doing. So it wasn't like we were saying this is, you know, insurmountable. It's just hey, these are things that might come up that might be different from what you're working with before. So yes, um, could some people see that as a problem? Well, yes, potentially, if you if you handle a situation a certain way, but there were just really minor things that I had to think about where I had to just kind of change my behaviors in a certain way. Now, if you go into that situation unprepared, obviously, then it is going to be harder. So having had that conversation with her and thinking about it, when I did come up against some, you know, resistance or little bumps in the road, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I expected this. I'm at the high school now. Things are different. I need to modify my behavior. It wasn't a reason to kind of, you know, freak out and think that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to function there. It was just a matter of, oh, yeah, (laughs) I expected this and I can work through this. It, it's not a crisis. It's something that is is normal. So then the next question becomes, what if you've you know, thought about what you're fearful about and thought about the problems that might come up and you've done your best to turn problems into minor inconveniences as much as possible. And you realize that even though you have prepared as much as possible, the situation is still not fulfilling to you. And it's still just just things that you might not want to be dealing with. And you do want to consider something else. It is totally possible that that's the case, that you can do all of these things and you realize, you know what, I've done everything that I possibly can. And you know what, this situation is still not for me. Well, the thing is, is that if you come at it with this mindset of, you know, really defining what the problems are, defining those inconveniences that you have to deal with, and then also preparing for problems as much as possible, and you still realize it's not for you, then you can move forward and pivot or you know find a new situation with even more clarity because you know that you've gone through that process. For me, this was really key because I was in a situation where I had a pretty good pretty good thing going on. I was working in a school and it was not a really long commute. I had coworkers that I got along with. I had administrators who were supportive. 
But I was just at a point in my career where I just wanted to do something different. It wasn't that the situation that I was in was bad. It was just I was ready for the next step. And other people might be in a situation where they're like, you know what? I enjoy my whatever the situation is that I'm in, but I just want a new challenge because I want to be able to make a bigger impact. Well, I was able to make an informed decision without having second thoughts because I went through this process continually the entire time that I was in the school because, you know, there were there were always challenges. And I did spend 14 years in the school systems. My first couple years, you know, it made sense for me to stay there and build my skills. That was the right decision at that time. But I kept revisiting it. And eventually the situation did change. But I could move forward with clarity knowing that it was the right decision because I was thinking like this. I didn't have any regrets about leaving when I did or staying as long as I did because I knew that I was really thinking through the entire situation. As I was saying before with the concept of the dip that Seth Godin talks about, it can be hard to figure out, am I just in the dip? Do I need to stick it out? Do I need to work through this situation? Or is it time to throw in the towel? Well, the key to doing that is continually going through this process and being reflective and asking yourself the right questions. Because sometimes you might not be in the dip. Sometimes it might be time to do something else. And really, you're the only one that can make that decision for yourself. But the key to doing that effectively is really getting everything out on the table. Thank you again for listening. Remember, if you are a pediatric clinician who is supporting K-12 kids, or really if you're any type of professional who is providing specialized services for kids in the schools or in another setting, and if you often feel limited in the way that you show up for your caseload due to certain situations that feel like they are out of your control, then definitely check out the Clinical Leadership Roundtable. In this ongoing live event, I take clinicians through a three-stage process that helps them to make what I refer to as the leadership shift. I believe that clinicians are not just therapists, they're also leaders. It's a huge part of their role. And so that means we need to think beyond just what we're doing when we have clients in front of us. We need to think of ourselves as leaders. Because when we make this shift, we can effectively mitigate risks and minimize some of the barriers that are impacting our clients' ability to get the support they need across settings. And also, we can find ways to influence the services that are available to clients on our caseload, in our facility, and our community, which can have a bigger impact on the field as a whole. Ultimately, the change needs to come from people who understand what kids need in order to succeed, which is you, the person who is in the trenches working with them. So to sign up for the Clinical Leadership Roundtable, just go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. Again, that's drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. Again, this is ongoing. It takes place in the Clinical Leadership Mastermind Facebook group where you can actually go through the stages in the process and get direct feedback from me and other members of the group. So thank you again for listening and I will see you in the next episode. 
you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test, you can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.